Hey guys, thanks for checking out our podcast. We hope this week's message inspires you and encourages you. Feel free to check out our website for more information. Here's today's message. Hey, he's a brave man, isn't he? Because literally it's like two years since I've stood on a platform and preached. That's a little bit scary, isn't it? And, and I thought to myself, who's going to be the guinea pig church that has me back and test to see if everything's still okay? And Jeff was silly enough to invite me, you know, so... Hey, I really do want to say thank you. And Jeff, it has, it's been a great journey and love you guys and love this church. I've been here a couple of times now and, um, you know, it's, it's been, it's always such a pleasure to walk in and worship with brothers and sisters. So as we kick off, let's pray. Father God, I acknowledge that you are in this space right now and thank you for the freedom that we have together. Uh, we don't take that for granted. And uh, we want to thank you for even technology that we have available to us that allows us to engage online. And so, God, I just want to pray that right now, as I, um, as I spend some time actually sharing um, and we look at your word, God, I pray that your spirit would be present and active in our midst, that you would be opening up our ears, our hearts and our minds, and that you would be doing something new in and through us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So today, I want to talk a little bit about faith. And I mean, you know, it's one of those funny things. I can throw up faith and you can just kind of go, well, that's a bit obvious, isn't it? You know, because it's, it's almost like being in Sunday school again. We can start to talk about Jesus or the Bible or, and faith can kind of sit as one of those. But I have to be honest with you. I, I don't know about you, but over the last two years, there's, uh, there's been some amazing things that have happened in our midst that I, I see God at work and I'm like, that's incredible. But I've also seen a lot of stuff that has left me questioning, God, where are you? Like, seriously, have you taken your hand off the wheel? Have things just gone? Like, what, what are you doing? Uh, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this. And if I am, you'll have to forgive my cynicism, right? Um, but there are some pretty tough things that I've either walked through with other people or I've heard stories of. And that even when we look past our own borders and we look at the rest of the world, we see some pretty horrific situations unfolding, don't we? You know, I mean, it's been heartbreaking over the last couple of years to have a friend whose nephew took his own life, you know, and having to walk through that with that family of what, what, is, what does this do? I, I was left questioning, God, where are you? Where are you in this? Uh, you know, Another connection that we had had one of their kids removed from their family from DHS. And they're, they're fighting like anything to try and get that child back. Uh, and again, I'm left asking God, where, where are you? Like, how does this work? Uh, I mean, time and time again through these circumstances that pop up in our midst. Uh, uh, or, you know, I'm, I'm asked to be a, a teacher and homeschool my child. And I think to myself, God, where are you? It's, it's crazy, isn't it? And then if we even look a little bit further over, I mean, we're in 2021. And, uh, you know, we're still seeing things like famine break out. East Africa has, and it's East African famine, but it's not going to be known as East African famine for too much longer as it just keeps growing and growing and growing. I mean, if I told you that every 10 seconds a child today in 2021 is dying of starvation, doesn't that just churn your stomach a little bit? And you find yourself kind of saying, well, God, where are you? Like, where is my faith in this moment? 
You know, if I remind us that actually, literally there are children dying because of not just lack of food, but lack of medication as well. So, you know, they get gastro. Our kids get gastro and we're all fine with it. We're like, well, that's a little bit inconvenient, a little bit awkward. I don't really like cleaning this up. But here, have, you know, some medicine and some gastrolite and you'll be fine. And they are. But that's a death sentence for children overseas still. I mean, uh, that for me actually, it, it forms a pit in my stomach. And I think, God, where are you? I, you know, and, and it's not just that. I mean, you, you go into conflict zones all of a sudden. Cast your mind back to what happened in Myanmar. I, I mean, what a tragic situation that was. And again, I find myself asking, God, where, where are you in this mess. Afghanistan happens. God, where are you? I, I mean, there's stuff that's been brewing for a long time, but these lately things just popping off left, right and centre. And if I'm really honest with you, I find myself asking that question, God, where are you? More and more often. Maybe that's him. Oh, gone. <laughs> and I feel terrible, and it's almost that vulnerable space of admitting it to you. I, I feel like I'm a terrible Christian. I'm, I'm, I'm a terrible minister. I, I'm not sure that I should be an ordained minister when I find myself asking so many times in the last two years, God, where are you? I almost feel like, dare I say, a bit of a fraud. And you don't want to almost put your hand up to say, yes, I'm a person of faith. Because the obvious question from that is, how can you be? Have a look around. Not just in your own life, but have a look around the globe. Where is the evidence of God at work that you can clearly point to? And it's a tough thing to do right now in this space, right? Now, I reckon, and let me play with an image for a moment. You see, I reckon part of this issue for me is that it stems from when I was little. And we all hear these amazing metaphors that come out, right? And, and I mean, I'm sure that if I asked you, when we think about faith, what is the biblical picture that Jesus paints for us? Does anyone want to just call it out for me? Mustard seed. Well done. Give that person a prize. Mustard seed. So the Bible talks about, and in, in quite a few of the Gospels actually, but uh, you know, in Matthew it talks about the fact where Jesus says, hey, you know, and it was off the back of uh, the disciples trying to cast out some demons, they couldn't do it, you know, and they'd just been told, hey, you're going to do greater things than me. And when they couldn't do it, they, let, he, you know, they all leave the room and Jesus is there with them and and they say to Jesus, hey, what happened? And he said, well, you just need faith the size of a mustard seed. The smallest of all seeds, and it grows, and you'll be able to do it. Your faith is, as long as it's just this tiny little bit. Now, here's the problem. When, when we think about mustard seed, and the Bible actually mixes this metaphor, or uses it twice in two separate occasions, right? It uses one in terms of the amount or size of faith that you need, and then it also uses it as a metaphor when Jesus is describing the kingdom of God right? So he uses the same thing of mustard seed. So let's just 
and I'm going to split it up for us, right? So we're going to come to the kingdom of God, but I just want to talk about our personal faith. How do you have faith in the midst of troubles? How do you do it? And I think, for me, the struggle is, is because I look at this idea of mustard seed, and the Bible talks about the smallest of seeds, that it grows up into this strong picture of this tree that has birds perching on it, right? And in our context, when I think about that, I think about what does my faith as a mature faith need to look like? And in Australia, I'm thinking like this massive ghost gum, right? I want my Christian faith, my faith in God to be growing, you know, from this tiny little seed into this ginormous, massive ghost gum that has birds and you know Australian king parrots coming and landing and is this beautiful majestic thing that's the image that I have in my head of when I think about what a mature faith should end up looking like right is that just me does anyone else have that image in their head when you think about you know your tree your tree of life your life what does it need to look like as it matures it you know it's it's a big tree right it's not some piddly little thing it's this when you are honestly thinking about what does my faith need to look like as I mature, it's not a straggly picture, is it? It's a thing of beauty. If an artist was going to paint it, it would be worthwhile them spending a lot of time on it. That's what we kind of want our lives to look like, right? You know, I think it's somewhat helpful though. Because when you actually think about what, a, what does a fully mature mustard tree look like, guess what it doesn't look like? doesn't look like a massive ghost gum it doesn't look like the american redwood forest it it doesn't look like these enormous massive trees of lebanon you know what it looks like maybe at best it looks like a pretty scraggly shrub at best in fact if you planted mustard seeds and tried to farm them and weeds would grow up in amongst the midst you would be forgiven for not recognizing that the actual sprout from the mustard tree wasn't a weed. It looks absolutely weedy and pathetic. You know, I actually wonder if that's a much better metaphor to use when it comes to our faith. Maybe that's the problem. The problem is, is that we think of ourselves as needing to be massive spiritual giants with all the answers and all the faith in the world. And actually what God is saying to us is your faith can be scraggly. Your faith can look more weedy than it does majestic. And that's okay. In fact, it's what I've designed. Now, before you all go, oh, really naughty? The God of this universe who has created us to actually bring glory to his name, to be able to point that and reflect his glory back to him. You know, this beautiful picture, you really think he wants us to look weedy and not this beautiful majestic thing well yeah I do you know why because I don't know whether you've ever tried growing a a massive majestic tree but it's not easy you gotta you gotta toil that soil you gotta dig it down deep you gotta make sure that you're tending to it constantly you gotta be able to do incredible stuff but let me tell you about mustard seeds for a moment you know mustard seeds you know where they grow best in hard ground that's dried up full of clay cracked open, (laughs) hardly any water, 
in spaces that you look at, you go, nothing's going to grow there. And you just scatter that seed and guess what pops up? Faith. So the question for me is not, is it terrible that in the midst of the last two years I've been asking, God, where are you? Is it terrible that my faith has taken a battering? Is it terrible that I actually don't have the answers? No. What if it's actually closer to where Jesus needs me to be? He doesn't need me to have this picture of myself of being this massive, giant tree in order for everyone to be able to come to and kind of feed under and to get shade from and and to be able to say, it's okay, we're standing under the shade of massive giants in their faith. No, what if instead he's saying, look at the barrenness that's around you and ask yourself the question, do you have enough room in your mind to imagine that a weed could possibly spring out of this barren ground in front of you? And if you can fathom it, that just maybe something can just start to grow, that's enough. That's enough. If our faith can look like that, if we can embrace almost that scraggliness of what's around us, honestly, that is enough. We don't need to turn into these giant trees. It's it's inaccurate. It's not an accurate description of what Jesus is even talking about when he uses the metaphor of mustard seeds. When you get back today, look it up on the internet. Type it into the Middle East. Look up, what do mustard trees look like in Israel? You may see a guy who's showing one off and he's standing about this and that's about as tall as it gets. It's not this massive tree. And I look at that and I think to myself, do we need to reshape our picture a little bit as the church, as individuals, as people of faith, That Jesus isn't asking you to be a giant. He's not asking you to actually do something that you look at and think that's actually impossible. He's asking you to almost allow the possibility that something that looks pretty weedy can spring out of ground that is dry, infertile, cracked and beaten and battered and feels like it's under the hot sun constantly. Because Jesus knows us. He knows what's going on. So my question to you is this. Do you have even enough room in your mind to let your faith come out of some pretty barren places right now? And I'm not asking you, do you have room in your mind to imagine a beautiful, massive tree grow? I'm asking you, do you have enough room in your mind to just allow a shrub, a weed, actually just spring up? And if the answer is yes, I want to say to you, awesome. So do I. So do I. You know, at home, we, we, have, uh, we have this proverbial problem. We have no dirt and lots of rock. We live in Warrandyte, right, on, on a, quite, a, quite a large slope. And um, when we're there, literally, we've been asking, how do we plant stuff here? And... Every time we've gone into a nursery, we've asked these same questions and we say, oh, we live in this part. They're like, oh, yeah, nah, you're not going to get anything to grow. And the thing that always baffles me is I walk out and despite the fact that we can't really get anything that is desirable that we want to see as a beautiful picture to be able to plant in and around, in places that we can't get anything to take, weeds spring up. How does that work? How does that work? I mean, I've got... We've got this random tree that's coming out of a rock face. I mean, I can't even get a pick into it. 
I don't know how it works. And I kind of think this is the mystery that sits in faith. That I look at something, we look at something and think nothing can grow there. And yet the God of this universe almost just sprinkles this random seed in a place that you think is least likely to have anything spread out and it comes up. And yes, it looks like weeds. And yes, it's kind of like sitting there looking at it going, oh, do I need to pull that out? And maybe some of the weeds in our life we do. But there's also this incredible thing that if we take a step back and we just look at it at face value and realize the miracle is that anything at all is growing in that space. That's what our faith needs to look like. It's not this incredible thing of beauty. It's just the miracle is that anything at all is growing in a space that you have almost given up hope in. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you've been looking at recently, whether it's in your own life, whether it's a circumstance you're reaching into, whether it's looking at what's happening around the globe. I don't know. I don't know what, where you're at right now. But if you are sitting here this morning or listening online or watching and you think to yourself, Noddy, you don't get it. If you knew the details of this situation, if you knew just how barren the soil I'm looking at is, if you just knew how cracked it is, if you knew how hopeless this is, you would probably be thinking to yourself, there is no room for faith in this equation. And I want to say to you, take a step back and realize that God is a God who can grow things where you least expect it. It may not look like much at the very beginning. It may never get to look like much. But the miracle is, is that anything is growing there at all. That's the miracle. Now let me, let me let you sit with that for a moment. And let me just turn my attention over to the kingdom of God. You see, in, uh, in Mark chapter 4, it says this. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces corn. First the stalk, then the ears, and the full grain in the ear. As soon as a corn is ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth, yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all. Now, this is the part I'd never seen. Not trees. Largest of all, garden plants. Garden plants. Not super impressive. Garden plants. Which... With such big branches, the birds can perch in its shade. Now, I don't know whether you've looked at it, but the only birds that are perching in mustard trees are about this big. They're not huge. They're not eagles coming in to land in mustard trees here. They're like tiny little birds. Uh, so, this kingdom of God picture is also amazing. Because, again, when I think about the kingdom of God, what do I think of? I think of this incredible, beautiful space, right? Incredible. 
I think about an artist's almost painting of such a beautiful landscape that it is worthy to stand and just stare at. I don't think about scraggly little garden plants with tiny little birds flicking into it. Isn't it funny, right, that, again, we have this image of the kingdom of God being this majestic thing. And it's almost like we paint this picture at times because I think that we are always looking for what is yet to come. It's almost like this picture of there's so much pain and brokenness in and around us that we almost want to park this. We almost want it to come to an end and look at what is to come. Because when the kingdom of God comes, that's when everything is restored and we are all going to be good and we're going to be pain-free and everything is going to be okay. It's, going to, it's coming. Don't worry about it. So we paint this beautiful mind's eye picture of what God's kingdom looks like. And I want to put it to us that maybe, just maybe, in the midst of this idea that the kingdom of God is already active and present in our midst, it doesn't look as majestic as sometimes we think. And instead it actually looks quite ordinary and mundane, but it's there. It's present. It's inviting us to realize that it's right there. And it's almost, we miss it because it's the straggliness of this faith seed, this tiny little seed that pops up that can be mistaken as a weed, that it's a miracle that it's growing at all, that that's what the kingdom of God looks like. It's when each one of us lets that scraggly little weed we call faith start to spring up on dry ground and the collective of them becomes an expression of the kingdom of God. It's not this giant forest. It's almost like a ground covering I mean, I like that picture. Why? Because it's accessible. We can do that. We can do that. It's not asking us to be giants. It's not actually saying this is really painful. We're going to wait for the best to come. It's actually saying, no, you can stand here right now in the midst of the pain and the barrenness and the brokenness that exists around us and your life can almost be this tiny little weed that springs up and that's enough because collectively we will bring in, herald the kingdom of God. It may not get recognised, it may not be absolutely gorgeous, but it's there and it's at work. I, I like that. I like that. And I hope you do too. Because I think when we can start to embrace that almost not picture perfect picture of God and the kingdom of heaven, we can embrace something that is real, pretty transparent, really honest, accessible to everyone. We can have freedom to be able to say, I don't know. And yep, you're quite right. That probably looks like an impossible situation. I don't know what's going to happen. But you can boil it back down to this really simple moment of faith where you can almost take a step back and say, but you know what? I've seen it time and time again that something has sprung up. Uh, those conversations, those real conversations, I think is the bedrock of kind of where our faith can make a massive difference.
without it having to be an enormous leap for people. Because we're in it too. We're acknowledging what's actually going on. I also think there is something else at work here. Because I think when you start to kind of think about our idea of faith, my picture of faith, where is God in this and the questioning that exists, and we start to think about the the kingdom of God almost taking this scraggly stuff and letting it kind of move, I think what it takes is for an individual, us, to wrestle with two things. One, do we have room in our mind, our imagination, the possibility that God can grow something in some pretty barren places, a weed? And if the answer is yes, good. It gives us a bit of hope. And then the second thing is, is I think, do we know enough about who God is to believe that he can do the impossible? My friends, I want to remind you this morning that God is so far out of our understanding, so much bigger than the box that we put him in, is capable to do anything and is a miraculous God. He exists probably more in the mystery and the unknown than we ever give him credit for. And what it takes is it takes a life that keeps rehearsing who God is in order to be able to keep coming back to this space of faith that allows your miraculous knowledge of who God is to literally sprout up a weed in dry ground. I love this idea of Abraham, the father of nations, and it's one of my life verses. It's over in Romans chapter 4, and it talks about Abraham being justified by faith. I'm going to read part of it for you, right? So it starts at verse 4, sorry, at verse 1, chapter 4, when he says, What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? In fact, Abraham was justified by works if he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. That's all he did. He just believed God. In other words, Abraham knew who God was. He knew, he had an idea, a thought about the nature of God. If you go all the way through to verse 17, right, and the second part of it, it says this, He is our Father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. The God who gives life to the dead and call things into being as if they were not. I mean, this is a crazy moment right now. Think about this. Abraham's conviction about God was that God was so big that he could raise Jesus back to life. His conviction was so big that he could say, I'm looking out here and saying, this is impossible, but I know God could call it into existence as if it were, even though it is not. That is what he hung on to. His picture of God was massive. His picture of God was so big that even when he was over 100 years old and thinking to himself, I haven't fathered a single child yet and my body has actually given up. And worse yet, my wife Sarah, whose womb has all but dried up, 
was still able to hang on to this incredible picture of who he knew God to be. And I think that kept working in a secular fashion that enabled almost this room in his mind for God to spring up a weed in the dry ground. I mean, this, I believe, is what it takes. It's this constant coming over to here to say, who is God? Who is the God that we serve? Is he capable of doing anything? Has he done it in the past? Has he turned up? Has he breathed us into existence? Has has he given us his only son? If all of the answers to those things are yes, then in the midst of whatever it is we're walking through, either individually or as a globe right now, we have to allow enough room in our minds to say, God could do it. God could do it. However, or whatever the circumstance looks like, God could do it. My hope, my prayer, is that every single one of us would almost reimagine the image of what's expected of us when it comes to our faith. That it wouldn't be a huge thing. It would actually be almost this weedy little thing that forms some ground cover and starts to see the kingdom of God at work. And it would constantly be grown through this idea that God is a God who can call things into existence as if they were, even though they are not. That he is capable of that time and time again. From the very beginning of the time, all the way through scriptures, he has done it. Take a walk with me for a moment. Think about this, Noah. Noah is standing there and everything around him is dry. In fact, biblical scholars would tell you that it had never rained. And he starts with this crazy notion in his head of build an ark. What for? Build an ark. He gets ridiculed. I'm sure that everyone's like looking at him going, this guy is an absolute nutter. And I wouldn't blame Noah if his constant mind was going, seriously, God, I'm struggling with my faith. I'm struggling with my faith to believe that you're going to do this, that this is going to happen. I'm struggling with my faith to believe that I've even heard you correctly. And and, and I reckon that the thing that kept him going, despite the fact that he looked absolutely crazy, was that he also had this incredible, unwavering knowledge of who God is, that God is a God who can breathe things into existence, call it in, as if it were, even though it were not. Job standing in sackcloth, losing everything. His entire family is gone. He's got friends sitting around him actually just breathing death into his life. Saying, just forsake God, give up on him. And I'm sure that Job at times probably wanted to do that. But I tell you this, I believe that Job was a person who knew who God was. He knew that God was a God who could call things into existence as if they were, even though they are not. And he never gave up. You think about Joseph for a moment. Joseph gets chucked into a pit, sold, betrayed by his own brothers, his own family. For what? Because he actually spoke a dream into existence, a vision of what he thought God was actually going to do in his midst. And he's standing there and he's sitting there getting sold into slavery and time and time again, he winds up in prison. He gets accused of things. He, he's all over the place. His life for so many years was probably at a point of turmoil where he was thinking to himself, is this worth it? Where is my faith? Where is God? But I can almost guarantee you that he is a person that knew who God was. 
And time and time again, he would probably declare it over his life in the situation that he serves a God who can call things into existence as if they were, even though they are not. Let's flick all the way through to Peter. The rock that the church was built on. Here is a guy who literally was probably the biggest mess up of all. And Jesus chose him to build his church. You know why? Because despite the fact that he betrayed Jesus, that he did not even know him, despite all of that other stuff where he just messed up time and time again, despite it all, you know what? The very fact that he stepped out of that boat onto water that he knew it is 100%, 110, 120, 200% impossible that humanly speaking, I can put my foot on the surface of this water and stay afloat. And he did it anyway. And I think he did it because he knew and believed in a God that could call things into existence as if they were, even though they are not. And so he stepped. My friend, God has done this throughout the ages time and time again in our midst for humanity. Whatever it is that you're going through, whatever it is that you're looking at, if it's a picture of the world, if it's a circumstance, if it's something in your life right now, if it's heartache, if it's hurt, if it's broken relationships, if it's a split in your family, I don't know. In those places where you have literally given up hope and that your faith feels like it's taken a battering and you've stepped back and gone, I I don't get it. I beg you, create some room in your imagination for the God of this universe who can call things into existence as if they were, even though they are not, to spring up something, something on dry, barren ground that you have lost all hope or conviction in, in order to see the miracle of Jesus take place. We are not at the end, my friends. I have this funny feeling that we are just at the beginning. Jesus is at work and it takes us, his body, his people, to actually take courage and boldness and declare because of our conviction that God is a God who can call things into existence as if they were, even though they are not, to imagine weeds to grow up in our midst that form an incredible bedrock of faith. May God bless you, use you, and may we as his collective people herald the kingdom like never before. Bless you.